On today's podcast, we have Carrie Peoples from Neat Smart. She is a home organization expert. She's been doing this for over 11 years, and we discuss everything organization. So join me today as we celebrate Carrie. I really am thrilled to have you on today because you helped me with my closet upstairs, my party closet. And yes, that was how's a- it going? Well, it's summertime, and I haven't done anything with it yet. And oh, but worry. I've I've already like pre prepped my husband. Okay, so I did this Instagram live with Carrie Peoples from Neat Smart. He's like, "What?" And I said, <laughs> "So she told me everything that I need to do to my closet, down to the letter." And so you need to build me some shelves. And he said, okay, I can build you shelves. It's not a problem. So the first step is in the works. He said, yes, he will build me shelves. Oh, good. So now we just need to whittle down our checklist of things around the house to where he needs something to do to then he can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's so funny because my husband's uh, working from home tomorrow and I know it's going to be... He was telling me, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to have a lot to do. I'm like, great. Let me get my to-do list together for you. Do you always have like a running, like honey-do list with him? You think, oh, Mrs. Organizer is going to let Mr. Organizer help me with X, Y, Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Because he is organized, but he's not going to do it on his own. So he's he's not going to go, you know what? Let me go clean out that closet. And I, I wouldn't tell him to do that. But like there's... We had a bunch of, uh, we had a storm a couple of days ago and we still have a bunch of limbs in the yard. So it's like, go do, you know, take care of the limbs. And he loves a list. He is, oh my gosh, I'm trying to think of the Myers-Briggs personality. But anyway, it's um, ESTJ, I think. He loves it. I'm sorry, ESJ? Ah, I don't remember. He loves a checklist. He loves process. He loves you know, what is, what is the routine? You know, he just, he loves a checklist. So if I say, you know, do this, this, and this, it's like, all right, I'm on it. And he's happy and I'm happy. Well, it sounds like a match made in heaven. How did y'all get connected? So we used to work together a long time ago. We both worked for this um, startup company and I used to work in technology. So I have, you know, a background in art and then I, decided I needed to make money. So I went to technology and I was the 13th employee of this software company that managed the compliance programs for heavily regulated industries like hospitals, uh, health insurance, and you know any, any type of heavily regulated industry. Not very exciting. However, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't was, sound it doesn't sound exciting that it was a lot of fun actually because it was a small it was a startup so okay. I was the 13th employee ground so it was, was in fun, training like, oh okay. yes so I used to do training for the pharmaceutical companies and that oh. was another job so my I was brought in to kind of help ramp up their training department, training programs for people to use this application. So that was totally my wheelhouse. And that was, but it was also the type of work environment that, you know, everybody pitched in. It was very much a team effort. It wasn't corporate at all, which was a lot of fun. Like we would go Uh, to the Braves games or we would do retreats. And it was just, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, we had a pool table and, you know, skateboards in the hall but 
it was pre that, but it was just, you know, we've got to do whatever it is to get this company going. So like I said, he was in sales. I was in the training department. So I didn't really work for him or um, with his department, except that I would help do, you know, demo calls sometimes. And then um, anyway, so I, I, we worked in the, for that company. He left, I broke up or I was broken up by my long-term boyfriend and the CEO of the company called my husband who had gotten divorced and said, hey, FYI, Carrie's available. And <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's <You had> funny. <laughs> yes. You had like a matchmaker right there. A matchmaker CEO. Yes. So. I immediately said no, because there was no way I was going to marry someone or date somebody even who was divorced or who had kids. And that was just a, you know, a bridge too far for me. And I said no many times. And like I said, he's in sales. He won me over. We went on a date <laughs> and it was the, <laughs> you, <go. laughs> you said he's in sales. He won me over. <laughs> <laughs> he sold you on him. He's really good. So it's been great ever since then. I mean, it's it's just been a lot of fun. So we got engaged in this was let's see, oh nine. Yeah, we got engaged in February of no oh nine, and we got married in June. So yeah, because a- y'all been married fourteen years, and you've been in business for eleven. Yes. Yes. So did he encourage you to start this business? Like, how did this come about? You obviously have a personality and an eye for detail and instruction and guidance and clarity and seeing the big picture and how to navigate one through like training. I mean, training's Mm -hmm. a big deal. There's lots of things that you have to pay attention to and orchestrate. So I see how the two can be connected with what you're doing now, but how did you even come up with the idea to do what you're doing? So I, I read somewhere that think of what you were doing for fun when you were 10 years old and that's like your dream career or that's what you were meant to do. I was literally organizing my grandmother's closet or playing in her makeup. I would, uh, I was always just... obsessed is such an overused word, but I was always obsessed with the way things looked and putting things in order. I wouldn't say that I was like the perpetually tidy child. It wasn't that I wanted to clean. It was just like, (laughs) you're like, I don't want to clean. I don't want to clean. (laughs) I want to exactly. That's that, that is it. 100%. So I loved like, I would line up my grandmother. She, you know, she was a fashion lady in Texas and she just had the most amazing clothes. So I would line them up on the hangers and line up her shoes. And um, same thing with her makeup. Like I would put all of the eyeshadows together and I would put all the lipsticks together. And it was just always this thing that I had for putting things together and making it look good. And I ended up studying art in college and I, I still enjoy painting, but it was something about the tactile quality of touching things and putting them together and, and having it make sense. Like one thing about me is I hate wasting time. And I just remember thinking, it's like, gosh, if you, if you knew where your keys were, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't be angry right now because you can't find them and you can't, you know, find your phone and your glasses and all those things. Like if you just had a place where you put it, you wouldn't have to, you know, 
this would be one less thing to be upset about. And that's just something I recognized early on. So I always wanted to have, I, I just, I hate wasting time and I hate losing things. So order and knowing where things were was always very important to me. Well, you've been called personal organization trainer, and I like that. It is. It's like, I always say to people, you know what you need to do to exercise. Like We all need to walk. We probably should do push-ups and sit-ups and all. It's like, we all need this. We all know what to do, but nobody wants to do it. But when you know that the professional organizer is coming over or you're, you're willing to invest in that service, you you become invested in it yourself and you're excited about it and, and you want, you know, you, you just want someone to tell you what to do. And that's what I do. It's pro- it's like you picking out paint colors. You just know, like you go into a room and you probably say, Oh yeah, they should, um, this should probably be, you know, a warmer white and this should be, you know, a cooler gray or, or, you know, you just yeah. see it and you know it, that's the way I am. I walk in someone's closet and it's like, Oh yeah, this is what needs to happen here. Oh, well, good, because it's like a Tetris puzzle. and It is, and it's so fun. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I, I mean, I have to stay organized because I learned as an adult, I was diagnosed with ADHD, but as a child, I was raised in private Christian school, and part of how they had everything structured was each class had a three-ring binder with mm-hmm. tabs labeled, it was like a two and a half inch binder. Every class had one. It, it was just, we were set up. I was set up for success because we had to be organized for the classes. So that just carried over into my life. It wasn't something I was obsessed over, but my mom made lists and mm-hmm. she wrote everything down and kept a calendar. And I mimicked those behaviors because if I didn't, it would get, I would forget something and then mm-hmm. I would get, or I would get anxious or, you know, upset because I dropped the ball somewhere. So for me, I have to stay on top of things because if I don't, I know from my peers, it can get out of hand really fast. So if I just stay on top of it, then I won't get stressed. Well, so smart for you for recognizing that, because I think a lot of people don't like structure or they feel like structure is going to inhibit them. And like (laughs) for creative people, oh, you know, if I have too much structure, I, you know, my creativity is going to be squashed and that's not true at all. You can't be creative in a cluttered environment because you're, you can't find a pen to write things down on, (laughs) to write things down with, or, you know, it's just, we all have different things that we're good at and not good at. And it's not necessarily that, you know, it's a bad thing. You just have to find a way to work around it so that you can, your, your natural talents and skills can flourish instead of feeling like you're floundering. On your website, it says you teach people how to live in an organized home and setting up the systems for them to function best. Yes. How do you convince, and I use that term, convince or encourage someone that, you know, it's clearly not their strong suit. And how do you get that engine running for somebody that's really having a hard time get started on a project? An organizing project or? Yeah. So uh, it's like teaching anybody anything. I think they have to recognize the the end result. Like what's the goal here? And everyone has some kind of goal or some kind, there's some kind of motivation in there somewhere. 
sometimes mm-hmm. it, hopefully it's positive reinforcement and a positive motivation you know sometimes it's it's neutral like you're moving so you've got to go through those closets because you're going to have to box all that stuff up um sometimes it's dangling a carrot of hey we could maybe go buy some new clothes if we can go through your closet and figure out what works for you or you know what's uh, you know, we have to make room for anything new to come in before we can, because there's no place to put anything. Or maybe in your kitchens, like you want to, you want to cook more, or you want to cook better food or different food. Well, if you can't find your utensils and the right uh, tools that you need, like your pots and pans, you're not going to want to cook. So a lot of times, it's finding what is that, what's motivating you to give me a call. And, you know, you can't lead, you know, you can't force somebody to change, but you can certainly change yourself. If, if you're talking about a, a spousal relationship, I think when people in your house can witness that you're happier, you know, more content, not stressed out about uh, not being able to find things, then more people are, the more that you're, the people that live with you are going to recognize that and go, oh, I want more of that in my life. I, you know, mom's not yelling at me because she knows exactly where these things are, what she needs. Mm-hmm. So it's it's that motivation to, I think, to have that peace and that calm in, in our house. And I think we all want our homes to be this place of refuge. And if it's not, you've got to figure out why it's not. And if it's because of a, a cluttered home or lack of systems, you know, we can we can fix that. And that will have such an outreaching effect across your whole family and your whole life. I found for me in my headspace, I knew because I'd always nannied and babysat and I'm the oldest out of four kids and 16 cousins. So I knew when I got married and I had a child, I definitely wanted a playroom. Mm -hmm. And for me, the playroom was for play and the bedroom was for sleep. And we had a place to do it in this house now. But previously when we were in smaller homes, or we had different means and our circumstances were different. We didn't necessarily have like a playroom, but each room I had a basket and those, mm-hmm. that basket is where her toys were. And each room would have the toys didn't go from room to room. I mean, I always put the same toys back in the same basket and you can rotate them out or whatever, but that was just really an easy way to clean the space. Absolutely. That's smart. So I learned to do that, but my mama, she listens to this podcast and she's going to just cringe when I air dirty laundry, (laughs) but my mother and daddy, they moved last year and it was, it was a blank show, like beep show. Mm -hmm. Okay. My mama saves everything. And let me tell you something. I'm so grateful that she has saved some of the things that she has saved. I need to throw her a bone. Mama, you've done so good at saving these sweet, sweet memories. But I'm telling you, she saves everything. Everything. Mm -hmm. She's so tenderhearted. And there was so many things everywhere in the house. And they were looking to, to downsize. And we had aunts come in from Colorado because they know that it had gotten down to the wire. And they know their sister. And we needed help. And so... It was just a lot of work and she wasn't throwing things out. She Mm -hmm. opened, we opened up a box and it had felt in there that was beautiful felt, but it was covered 
and bugs and she wanted to save it. And at oh. that point I lost my marbles and I, <laughs> I just yelled and I stormed out of the house and I was just crying because it was just such an overwhelming project, you know, 2,700 mm-hmm. square feet of a home. And my parents have lived there for 30 something years. There's a lot of stuff. My daddy's really sick and we were on a deadline at that point. And it was just, it was a beating. So I mm-hmm. needed to walk away. And I needed to have a reset. Like I couldn't help anymore at that time. I was like, I'm done. So what do you say to your clients when they find themselves frustrated? Like what's the best way to like reset when you're in the thick of organizing something and you just get too frustrated or overwhelmed? Is there any advice you have? Yeah. Our brains can short circuit so easily with, with stress. So, you know, first thing I would say is, all right, let's just, I think you did the right thing of, of stop, take a break. Let's, let's step away from this. I stormed off. I was like, this is crap. (laughs) It's got bugs on it. I mean, I was just like, we were doing so much. I mean, I don't, I don't want to bash on my mama because I love her so much. She's my, one of my favorite people in the entire world, but it was, it was a lot. And yeah. that was like it's, one little tiny box. Yes. It's really challenging. And I think you do have to step away. And I know you've got, you know, you're under a time crunch. Um, and sometimes, sometimes you just have to, I don't want to say force them, but it's like, mom, this is dirty. This is might be contributing to dad's sickness. You know, this is, it, it, and I'm not saying that you exaggerate that. I do think that is because that's, just stuff that's, you know, dirt, clutter, vi- you know, visual clutter is one thing. Like you look at something, uh, you look at a mess and your brain is trying to process all of that. That's just, that's keeping your brain from doing other functions that are definitely more important. So I think you have to, again, you've got it with your mom or a situation like that. You've got to have that, that goal of what are we trying to do here? Okay. We've got to pack up this house and move. We cannot take everything with us. If we are downsizing or you are downsizing, you're going from 2,700 square feet to, you know, 1,000. We cannot, all of that stuff will not fit in here. So we need to prioritize. Let's, let's focus on the easy things. Is there anything in here that's trash? Like, like things that have bugs in them, I'd, I'd say that's trash. I mean, we really, we can't salvage that. Maybe somebody else could, but I don't think so. No one's going to take that for donation. It's getting them to think about the priorities of what are we trying to accomplish here and what is our goal? Well, we donated by we. I would haul everything off. Like my mm-hmm. answer over there, I mean, they had a donation bag, a trash bag and everything. And I was the runner. As soon as they filled up these donation bags, Cause we kept mama busy in the corner yeah. and they know her. They know what's precious to her. They know what's meaningful. Yes. They had a pep talk beforehand. So they knew what the, everybody knew what the goal was. So they kept her busy in a corner and one of them, you know, once that, you know, bag was filled up for donation, I took it and put it in the car. And as soon as that bag was filled up for trash, I put it in the dumpster and I was just running. And as soon as my car was filled up, I just ran it up to the donation place, emptied it, bam, go back. Because the faster I could get it out of the house. Absolutely. Yes. It was like better. And good news. They moved. 
and it was wonderful. She probably doesn't remember any of it. She probably doesn't say, where's that bag of felt? I don't know. She might now that she, when she listens to this podcast, she'll be like, <laughs> um, I found, I hid, <laughs> oh my goodness, I don't even know. She might have hidden it, but I, it, she's, she's so sweet and precious to save all these things. But what I kept reminding her is, is that somebody out there is praying for the exact same thing that yes, you're holding that for no so- reason. Right. I know I always tell people that someone needs exactly what you're no longer using, whether it's for a craft project that they're doing with their kids, or they need that shirt, or they need pots and pans. I mean, people need the things that you are ready to pass on. And if, you know, a lot of things can also be recycled, they can be, you know, repurposed. So, somebody needs what you no longer need. And, you know, that was really smart to, to have your sisters kind of blocking and tackling while you're running out to the um, donation spot. What I would recommend to anybody who's got a big project like that is to schedule a junk hauler to come. One of those big um, Mm -hmm. collapsible bins. It was in the backyard. So like all the junk and trash that we were getting rid of, we could just fill it up and that was a lifesaver. And then yes. also if we accidentally put something in there that we shouldn't have, it was right there and it was easy to, to get it out. If we made a mistake, you know, we could, yeah. because it wasn't a big metal bin. It was one of those collapsible ones. Gotcha. It was very, and then they had, so we did the first initial go through where everything was organized and we filled up one of those storage bins outside what are those called like this oh like the pods yes a pod so then the house could get ready to be put on the market so so then we could work through things so there was a pod there so the pod did help it was it was a big undertaking was it easier for your mom to review things in the pod was she less attached to them there it was stuff that she knew was staying so anything we put Mm -hmm. in the pod was you know, all the sentimental stuff, all the stuff that we had already boxed up and that for moving, it went in the pod. And then when it was time to move, like she's going through boxes still, it's been over a year. Mm-hmm. She, she, you know, she'll go through boxes and she'll get rid of stuff, but her office in the hallway close to her office is not good. It's a process. It really it's is. Process. It's. I won't touch you... it. I told her I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Well, your relationship is more important with your mom. So it's, it's recognizing that that's something that is agitating to you. So it's better probably just to to walk away. And And it's different when it's family and it's when you have a third party like me in there, people respond differently. They, they'll argue with their daughter, but, and I'm not saying they won't argue with me, but it's just a family dynamic is very different. Girl, you would be the best gift to give to somebody because you do do virtual color. I'm not virtual yes. color. You do virtual organizing consultations. I had one yes. with you. Yes, yes, yeah. That we did your uh, party closet. Yeah, we did my party closet. You've done Mary Alice's. Um, yes, one of her. She had kind of a party clo- party room almost, but it was a lot of her um, supplies. And again, it's getting that third party that sees things differently. And is it emotionally attached to them that can say, okay, this has got to move. You need to look at this. You need to look at the other. Decluttering is a little bit different. Well, 
decluttering is a lot different from organizing. And I would say that's something I didn't realize quite as much when I started the business because I was thinking of just organizing, but decluttering is a whole other facet that is just as important as organizing. So I can see things with a fresh perspective. And ultimately I will tell a client, look, this is your house. You should keep the things in here that you want to keep here. I, you know, I worked with somebody um, last year and she and her husband have been in their home for probably 30, 40 years. You can imagine there was, she had a lot of stuff, we'll just say. And a lot of it was of her kids that, you know, their memorabilia. She was keeping every single thing. She wanted to quote declutter. However, she didn't have a compelling reason to really get rid of things. She was much more amenable to getting rid of things when they were truly broken or um, you know beyond repair, but she was fine hanging on to her 30-year-old daughter's eighth grade notebooks from school. And it's <laughs> her like... house. She's like, and she would say, well, you know, I need my daughter to go through that. I need my daughter to go through that. And I said, well, you know, when you talk to your daughter this weekend, you know, see if she wants to hang on to it. And the daughter would say, yes, that she, she did want to hang on to it. I'm not going to say, no, she can't. Because it's not, you know, it, it's her life. It's her house. If she has room for it, if she were moving, it would be a completely different story. So oh. while I would say uh, the eighth grade notebook's got to go, she's got room to keep it. That's, you know, it's her home. She is welcome to. So it, it's, it ultimately has to come into why are you choosing to get organized or why are you choosing to declutter? Because, you know, what I think of as organized and what you think of as organized might be very different. You have a lot of um, different items for entertaining. That's great. I want you to be able to find those so that when you're ready to throw a party and set the table, you know exactly where your napkin rings are and exactly where the napkins are. And it's not hard to get to them. But so if you want to have, you know, eight sets or 20 sets of China, that's great. That's not what I would have, but it's, that's different. I, ha- <laughs> I have other obsessions. <laughs> so it's, you know, I, I just, I, I want to remind everybody that, you know, your home, it should be a reflection of you. If you entertain a lot, you probably need 20 sets of China and that's yeah. fine. There's nothing wrong with it. So don't think that you have to have this minimalist aesthetic and that every organizer is going to tell, you know, judge you for having 20 sets of China. Uh, I have. I don't even know how many sets of china I have because my grandmother used to buy china all the time and she would buy the random 10 plates here and four you know cups and saucers there and and I have a lot of it and I just I love it but I know exactly where it is and it's all kept in one area so how do you navigate generational junk and let me explain so as a mama you get these things that you don't want to throw away so you keep them and 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 then your child grows up and your child moves into their own house in my mind I think that's um, that's your mama's stuff that's saved but at some point when you become an adult that's technically all your crap Mm -hmm. you you need to get your stuff out of your parents' house. That's your Amen. eighth grade notebook. That's Sister. your cheerleading uniform. That's your poster. That's not your mom's stuff. So you need to go 
own your stuff. Get it out of their house. So I told all my siblings every time they went over to go see mom and daddy, if they say, do you want this? Just say yes. Get the Mm -hmm. box in your car and go through it later because that's your stuff. And she's holding it on onto it for you. But if it's something that's really sentimental to her that she thinks, oh, if you were going to throw this away, you know, I'm sure there's things that mom hung on to, but for the longest time she had, there's four kids in the family. You know, I took all my stuff out of the house real early, but I had two brothers and a sister and it took it. They still have stuff over there that my mom is finding. She's like, Oh, I got to give this to joy. Oh, I found this of yours. And so, um, I feel bad because I know she's doing it to be sweet. And then we're so rotten because we're like, Oh, we don't want this. And we just chunk it. So (laughs) don't feel guilty. Don't, don't, don't feel bad. But you have a system of declutter, simplify, and doing functional systems. Well, and the thing when you're talking about the generational stuff, I mean, you have you're, you're right. It's your cheerleading uniform. It is not your mom's cheerleading uniform. So if she wants to keep it because it reminds her of when you were a, a child, that's fine. I mean, if you're okay right. with it. Yeah, but, put it on the wall, frankly. Yeah, exactly. Make a piece of art out of it or, or enjoy it. But just having it in a box in, in the back of a dusty closet, that's not really honoring or respecting the, the item. If you truly loved it, I, I, I just feel like, you know, do a shadow box around it and, and put it on the wall and, and it's art. I th- and yeah. I've seen lots of really cool stuff done with that. But um, I think it's interesting because our parents' generation were the keepers of everything. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my mom and my grandmother both were big antiques buyers and they would buy, I mean, not necessarily like fine antiques, but just old stuff, but they would keep the price tag. Okay. And they would do, they would have a piece of paper that had a description of, what it was that was written by the store. Like, and this was back when stores would do like an antique store would do a handwritten receipt. I mean, it was like, I mean, the the level of record keeping was just amazing. And I think because we generally, generationally speaking, we have different uh, values of things because we just have so much more stuff. There's just so much more stuff available today. You know, we're not, we don't have small wardrobes anymore. I, I used to live in a house that was built in 1941. It was this cute little cottage. And the closet, you know, it was a two-bedroom, one-bath cottage. And people used to raise families there. And I had it by myself. And the closet was probably, I don't know, 36 inches wide, maybe. Yes. And, and that was it. And they might have had a wardrobe in the bedroom. Um, but there was no you know, I mean, the closet, everything was tiny. You know, we just, we had fewer clothes, fewer shoes, fewer of everything. So that, I think that's why our parents view and value things differently because they, they just had so much less. Uh, Oh, so I thought the reason why my mom liked to hang on to stuff was because growing up, they moved a lot and there were six kids. I just thought, she's grandma probably threw everything away. So then she saved everything. But on the flip side, my other grandmother on the other side, she saved everything. And she also, she, every single straw 
every single toothbrush. Though she would clean the toothbrushes, she would clean, sanitize, and then use for cleaning. Straws. <laughs> she had a oh whole gosh. container. She had a whole container underneath the kitchen sink of clean straws that she was recycling. She would write down the date when she purchased all the food. So everything was always labeled. She was so organized, mm-hmm. but she kept a lot of things. She would fold the Walmart sacks perfectly and yes. had them all lined up. So she did keep things and I have tons of keepsakes from her, but it was all well organized. So it didn't seem overwhelming. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, of course. I know. I think, you know, just because you have a, I mean, you've been in homes that I think they call them collected now or um, curated. Uh, eclectic, uh, yeah, curated, oh. eclectic. You know, they're not minimalist. There's, you know, tons of books and things on the bookcases. And it, if it's organized or you know, artfully arranged, it looks great. Or you see those cl- huge closets, you know, 200 pairs of shoes and, you know, but they're all arranged perfectly by, you know, heel height and toe closure and things like that. And you're like, oh, wow, that looks amazing. But if you saw that all like in a pile, you know, taken off of the wall, you'd say, oh my gosh, this looks terrible. This is a disaster. But when it's organized and, and, and carefully, and I say carefully, meaning just like you've got your short sleeve shirts together, you've got your, you know, books arranged by size or by, by category, you know, and it's, beautifully arranged it looks it's it's a work of art so it's it's not the amount it's the how how does it function for you and can you find the book that you want or the blouse that you need well on your instagram you have about five different things that are statistics about organization and i'm gonna read them off because i thought they were very helpful so if somebody needs to get a different scope on how things are. I think this is helpful. 80% of the items we keep, we never use. What? Well, think about that. Your taxes for the past, you know, 10 years that you're supposed to hang on to, you don't use that. I mean, you, you have it just in case the IRS comes after you, but you're not using it anymore. Mm. Once you filed your taxes, um, old yearbooks. I'm sorry. I mean, old yearbooks. I don't know. Old yearbooks. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know when the last time I looked at our old yearbook, but I do have a box of keepsakes that have them in there. I'm not saying you shouldn't have them. And I'm not saying, you know, I still have my yearbooks and yes, they are sitting in a box in, you know, in a closet. I'm not ready to get rid of them, but you're right. That's, that's something else that we keep because we, you know, we hang on to these things. I know that they're I know it's there, so I can go back and look at it, um, and that's comforting enough for me. If I wanted to go back and look at it, you know, I, I can. Um, right. You know, I, I think there's a lot of things that we have for the occasional use, like maybe you've got a little black dress in your closet that's just for funerals. You know, hopefully you mm-hmm. don't need that a lot, but you don't want to have to go buy a new dress every time you have to go to a funeral, so... Um, it's not that we shouldn't have these things. It's just understanding that there's a lot that we hang on to that we, maybe we don't need to. On average, we wear 20% of our clothes, 80% of the time. Wow. I will tell you, I hear that because I did house of color 
and I had my colors done. Oh, yeah. And I'm telling you, getting my colors done helped me organize and declutter and simplify my closet so much. And it kept me, and even my jewelry drawer and my pajama drawer and my workout clothes and my shoes and my purses, It and it helped my friend dramatically. We really got to scale back and we're wearing a lot more of our clothes, but we still have so much more we haven't even touched. But you also probably feel better about the clothes. Like you put on that pretty pink dress. You're like, oh my gosh, this looks great. Yeah. This, I I feel happy in this dress because I know it looks good on me. And that's such a, that's such a better feeling. I had my colors done recently too. I did my, I had my room analyzed for the colors that you did. And then I had my, uh, my colors done and it was, yeah, they said I should wear more navy and not so much black, which Yes. I kind of suspected. I, I didn't go throw away all of my black clothes, but it also helped me when choosing clothes for the future say, you know, I probably don't need more any more black in my wardrobe. Oh, girl, I got rid of, I have my black leggings. Yes. And I maybe have one black dress and one black turtleneck and one black coat, but I got rid of all the black. Because, it, so you're summer? I am what they call a sunlit summer, yes. Ooh, I'm a sweet pea summer. Ooh. Yes, I know. So, okay, so in 1930, the average amount of outfits that women had was nine. And in 2023, it's 30. Now, that's outfit. And I, I can't remember where that statistic came from. I mean, I don't think we dress in outfits as much today as we used to. I think we do a lot of, you know, mixing and matching. But again, just think back to the 1941 closet. I mean, they were tiny. And you look at furniture from the 30s and 40s. I mean, smaller scale, such a smaller scale. I mean, I think we're, you know, we are bigger, we're taller, our feet are bigger. You know, my, my grandmother had a, you know, barely a size five shoe and I'm a seven and a half and I'm small for, yeah. um, for, so anyways, I, you know, we are a bit, definitely bigger but we just have so much more. We, clothes are mass produced. I mean, think about it. My mom made her own clothes. Yes. Yeah. I didn't think about that. The house size has tripled since the 1950s. Yes. So you yeah, you look and, at it. So you're in Denton, Texas, which is a newer area. But you go to, um, you know, downtown Dallas, where you can find, you know, the older neighborhoods. I mean. Those ranch houses were 1,800 square feet, 1,600 square feet. Yes, they have gotten bigger. And then I have something about 238 toys. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) The the average kid has 238 toys, and they only play with 12 of them daily. There was a study done, and I don't know who did it, um, but it was psychologists looking at, this is going to make a lot of, parents mad so I I didn't do this I'm just reporting what I read (laughs) they were studying when children get overwhelmed or anxious and it was when you when you introduced more than 12 I think it was yeah 12 new toys to them they became overwhelmed and I I think we we have this tendency you know, you get the Chick-fil-A, you know, kids meal and it's got the toy in it. Or you get the McDonald's Happy Meal with a toy in it. And you go to the birthday party and the, you've got the the party favors. And 
you know, your, your child behaved well, so you want to reward them. So you go to Toys R Us or, you know, we, or you're at Target and, oh my gosh, it's in the $3 bin and, oh, it's on the end cap and it's on sale. And, oh, you know, it's like, we just keep giving and giving and it's out of love, but I think we're overwhelming our kids. And then it's like, eh, I don't really care about that toy anymore. It's like, oh my gosh, that was a great toy. It's like, yeah, they've got so many that they don't, they don't see the forest for the trees. I mean, there's just, there's so much there. And I think we're, we're not encouraging kids to be creative with blocks and paper and pencil. I mean, I, I know I sound like I'm 85 years old, but um, I, I just feel like we're, we need to let kids enjoy the toys that they have and not constantly be giving them new ones because they are overwhelmed with all, just like we, we as adults are, they are overwhelmed with the clutter. Well, do you have a motto? Like for me, I always think of reuse, repurpose, recycle. And so I kind of like, We'll play that in my head, you know, when I'm coming up with something or doing something just to remind myself like, oh, it has another purpose or you can recycle it or give it away or find a new use for it. Do you have like a motto or something you repeat to your clients when you're navigating organization? You know, I was trying to, I should have written this down. I'm sure I do because I know I say the same things over and over again. And one of the things I say over and over again is, you know, hire working with me is like working with a trainer. Like you know what to do, but you're just not going to do it. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I always remind people is that you know you don't have to keep everything. You know, this is your house. You don't have to keep that. It's even if it's something that that was sentimental or that was important at the time, or maybe somebody gave you a gift and you're like, uh, it doesn't fit me or, you know, you don't have to keep it. Sally gave you this <laughs> oh sweater God. that's unattractive and Aunt Sally's no longer with us. You don't have to keep it. Even if Aunt Sally is still with us, it, it's, this is your house. You mm-hmm. get to decide what stays here and you get to decide what, what goes on the walls. And, you know, this is, this home should be a representation of you. That is something that I say all the time, because I think a lot of people get overwhelmed. And especially as our parents are passing on and grandparents are passing on, we, we feel guilty for getting rid of things that they gave us. And mm-hmm. you, know, you, it's all a matter of prior prioritizing. You know, it's like, what are some things that are really important to you that can represent you know, that they've given you or, or, you know, a part of their legacy, but it doesn't have to be everything. You don't have to keep every single thing that they gave you. Uh-uh. I'll tell you the one thing that saved me and I didn't know, I knew what I was doing, but I didn't know what I was doing. And mm. I'll, Intuitively. I'll Right. So, you know, I'm considered the color lady for me. I want to open up my cabinets and go, Oh, so when we, <laughs> so, when we and we've moved enough and I do think moving is great for decluttering. Oh, it is. I mean, it forces you to get rid of stuff. So we've been in this house for eight years and I'm like, we really should be moving somewhere soon. Like That's I funny. when I organize my cabinets, when I put things away, when I'm doing things, I do it by color. So mm-hmm. I have all my clear glass together and then I've got all my plastics together. But I don't keep anything that doesn't go together so there's nothing red in my kitchen you know I have all the blue bowls all the vintage ware is in one cabinet you know 
this part is pink and this part is aqua and this part is white. So I organize and do things by color. And if it doesn't match, I get rid of it. And I know Mm -hmm. that it sounds crazy, but I don't do it. If somebody gives me a candle and it's the wrong color and it doesn't match my house, I will burn that baby down right away until it's gone. So I can have said I've used it and then it's Mm -hmm. out of my house (laughs) because if it doesn't, and people probably think, Oh my goodness, this lady is crazy. But I learned from when I got my job, the way I view the world as beautiful is through the way the colors go well together. And so if it doesn't fall within my colors, the sheets in my bed, the sheets or towels in my closet, if those colors go together, when you put them away, it makes sense. So for me doing things and it's not rainbow order. I'm not talking about doing that. I'm just saying, that anything that I bring into my home, anything that I like, anything that I purchase, anything that I hold on to and keep, it's going to match my home. It's going to match the aesthetic. If it doesn't, it goes. So if some So that's the way that you eliminate visual clutter. And that's mm-hmm. you know, visual clutter is you know, there's there's it's just as much clutter as physical clutter, but visual clutter is you know, you you open up the cabinets and it's just you feel this in this immediate sense of calm because your eye is able to navigate the the shelves and it's in in an orderly fashion it doesn't mean that you have to have only one color of china or glasses but it's but again you've done the clear together you've done the blue together for some people it might be about function like i've got all of my turvis tumblers together and then i have all of my metal coffee you know travel mugs together and then we have all of our wine glasses together I mean that's done by function so you know you got your wine glasses and your service tumblers are still clear but you would some people would separate them because that's the function I mean everybody has a different idea of what organized is so that's why it's such a personal you know personalized uh, process and that's why I always tell everybody is it not it's not that you have to be your home has to look like faith's or it has to look like mine. It has to work for you. Do you yeah. have four kids, eight kids, no kids? That makes a huge difference into how you organize your kitchen and your pantry. Um, mm-hmm. Are you in an apartment? Are you in a house? Do you have a pantry? Do you just use a cabinet? I mean, it, all of these things have to be taken in, into consideration. If you don't cook, well, you're probably going to have your kitchen organized differently from someone who's uh, an amateur chef. So, Right. Well, you know, there's so much chaos in this world that we need our homes to be this place of refuge where we can come and rest and relax and recharge. So if that orange candle makes you feel like you can't relax, then out the orange candle goes. I want let's talk about how you travel. Do you have travel packing tips or tricks for keeping things organized or stress-free? Yes. And I used to travel three weeks out of the month. I spent, I was a a road warrior for a long time. And at that juncture in my life, I had duplicates of like all of my face products and um, I had an extra curling iron and, you know, hairbrush. So I would just leave that in there. But uh, I have a packing checklist that's on a blog post on my website. I can, I can send out the thing that I like to do with packing is when I think of things that I want to take on a trip, I, I create what I call a staging area. So it'll be like this, this counter in my bathroom where it's like, I'll start to put those things. 
Uh, or I'll start. I, I'm so excited because I do the same thing too. When I know I'm going on a trip, I, I, I ask my husband, can you get the luggage down? He gets it down. He's like, well, we're not leaving for two weeks. I said, I know, but I need that amount of time to make sure that I'm not forgetting anything. And yeah, like, you've got a process. Like, what am I going to take? And let me think about this. And yeah. Like daily things that you use that you're like, oh, well, I should go ahead and put that in there. I like yes. that. And also pack the expensive, um, the expensive to replace things early. Like if you um, wear contacts, go ahead and yeah. pack those early so you don't have to worry about them. Or if you've got, um, you know, medication that you need to make sure that you take, that would be difficult to find on vacation. Pack mm -hmm. that early. So, cause that's, that's an essential. You don't want to have to think about later. Yeah, exactly. And when I go on vacation, I know this sounds so silly, but, and we don't go on vacation a lot, but a new pair of pajamas on vacation makes it feel like a vacation. It does. That's a great, that's a great tip. I actually have a pair that I always take on vacation just because they always look good, like especially if we're staying at somebody's house or we're staying in an Airbnb and we're sharing it with other people or something. Like you don't want to come out and like your grattiest, holiest, kind of grungy, although they might be super comfortable pajamas. Right. I always pack my, I have like pajamas that go with me on every trip. I also always pull out underwear and I do PJs first because I have, you know, a certain ones that I'm going to travel with. I pull out my PJs, I pull out my underwear, and I use, a lot of people use packing cubes. I do those sometimes. I have some pretty fabric zip bags that I use for my underwear that I stick in there. And that way I know that it's done. Like I don't, I just don't have to think about it again. So just mm -hmm. like you with the suitcase being out, if I know I'm going to be near a pool, like let me go ahead and throw the swimsuit in because I'm not wearing yeah. it today. So the things that I know I'm going to be taking that I'm not going to need between now and then, mm -hmm. I go ahead and pack those so I don't have to worry about it. I was going to mm -hmm. say, I did, this, I did the same thing that you did. When I was a flight attendant, we would travel every week. Mm -hmm. And so I have my travel bag. Already have all my toiletries already in a like toothbrush, face stuff, hair stuff you know, um, anything that I need for travel, even a travel perfume, Q-tips, mm -hmm. like all that stuff is already in a travel bag ready to go. And then I get it out when it's work, I'm packing for the trip and I will go back through to make sure everything is stopped. Yeah, you make up. sure it's full. Yeah. 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 Um, that's, that's smart. It's just, again, it's just trying to do things ahead of time so that you're not stressed at the last minute. Cause I can tell you, there's always going to be something that pops mm -hmm. up that you're not anticipating. Like, you have a flat tire or you oversleep on the way to the airport or, you know, on the morning you're supposed to go to the airport. I mean, there's just things that pop up. So you don't want to have something that you could have done ahead of time, hold you back. And, and then you hate yourself. Like, why didn't I do this earlier? Uh, and you're so frustrated. It's like, no, mm -hmm. we're just going to do what we can ahead of time. I always try to plan out my outfits because I, I try to be a minimalist packer, especially if I'm flying, if I'm driving, I'm much more inclined to like, eh, I'll throw the extra outfit in there. Yes. But, yes. Um, I do the same thing, but I do, again, I do it by color. So when I'm true, traveling, I will do, okay, well it's 4th of July. So I'm going to pack all red, white, and blue. So then I know everything goes together. So if I forget something, 
or I'm playing like the shoes. So if I'm wearing the same color wheel, my jewelry, my shoes, my accessories, I can reuse for other outfits. And so it just was easier with my daughter, you know, I would have bows on her and shoes instead of packing five pairs of shoes for five different outfits. If I stay within the same color wheel for her, okay, I'm doing all soft colors, like light pink, light blue. Well, then I knew, oh, okay, well, I can put these sandals on her today and pack these ones in there. And then I can just rotate those two. I know it sounds like, oh my goodness, this color lady is crazy, but no, 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 it makes sense. But the thing is, if you've, if you've done your colors and you, your wardrobe is full of colors that look good on you and that go, you know, they all, they're all going to kind of go together anyway. Now, you know, nice uh, there's patterns and differences like that. But if, and I do think that when you're traveling, if you can, if you, again, depending on how long you're going to be gone and you know, you're, if, if you're a maximalist packer, you know, you can probably disregard what I'm saying, but I like to have a, you know, like you say, a, a, what are the col- the primary colors that I'm going to be wearing on this trip? It's going to be white, navy, and light pink. You know, mm-hmm. those are kind of my colors anyway, so I have a lot of options, but, you know, yeah. maybe it's going to be like you're doing red, white, and blue because it's going to be a, a you know, 4th of July weekend, or mm-hmm. you're traveling in the winter and you just want like charcoal gray and navy and camel or something. That just makes your shoe choices so much easier and your accessories it just it just simplifies things and again I was here's something else I always say you know life is hard life is complicated Mm -hmm. simplify where you can and still have control over the situation and feel like you're you know looking your best because you've chosen the right colors that that look good on you and you've got the clothes that flatter you and it all goes together and you've just got this little mini capsule wardrobe in your, in your suitcase. I would love to know where you stand on reusing, repurposing, or recycling party goods. And by party goods, I mean wrapping paper. Oh, that's, paper that's a great question. I have a drawer and when, when we would host those big parties, you know, things I think are different since COVID, but prior to COVID, you know, if we hosted something and there was gifts, I didn't save the wrapping paper, but I would save the tissue paper in the sacks and then reuse them. I did not have the heart to throw that away. And I do reuse them. But I do know some people save the wrapping paper. My aunt owns a reuse recycle store in Colorado Springs called Who Gives a Scrap. Oh. And then there's one. <laughs> and that's, that's a great name. She, she was on the podcast. You need to listen to the episode. It's so cute. But it's called Who Gives a Scrap? Oh, and that's then so cute. there was a place here in town called Scrap or Scraps. And um, that's changed hands. So I know people would donate that stuff. And then you could just go up there and buy it for a nickel, a quarter, a dime. Oh, wow. It was, it was great. Oh, my goodness. You would have so much fun telling people to donate. That is That is a great idea because... I don't think we have anything like that here. And that would be a great resource for, mm-hmm. for people. But um, you might be I, opening up your own. Who gives I, a scrap know. Well, <laughs> I am the, uh, I am the major ribbon recycler. So Christmas morning, I'm going around and like, no, 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 save that ribbon. No, no, no. That's good ribbon. Save it. Save it. Save oh, it. Good. <laughs> that makes me feel better because especially ribbon. Oh, if you get a good Oh man. And it's so funny because with my family, I'll see like, 
I'll wrap a gift with a ribbon that, you know, a friend sent me, I had this friend who's always, she always wraps things exquisitely. And then I'm, I'm so excited. And I'll reuse that ribbon. My sister will say, oh, is that, a, is that Anne ribbon? I'm like, yes. She's like, oh my gosh, I was Anne ribbon worthy. <laughs> so it's, uh, it, and I've got ribbon that's been going back and forth within my family for years. So it's, it's kind of funny. But my grandmother used to do that. My mother did that. And that was no big deal. It's like, of course, you're going to iron the ribbon. Why, why wouldn't, you know, what are you, a Neanderthal? I mean, of course, you're going to, you're going to iron it and reuse it. I do think there's something to be said about being responsible and being mindful and a good steward of not being wasteful, but you don't want to clutter your home and make it a stressful place. So there are craft reuse centers and people should get on Google or Safari or whichever and look up a craft reuse center. Like I said, in Denton, we have one called scraps and then in Colorado, Colorado Springs, Colorado. And then there was one in Denver too. It was called who gives a scrap. So there might be one, in your area, you just need to Google it. And if there's not, contact my aunt and franchise it. That way we can get these people to declutter their spaces. And you no, know, that's that's a great idea. And I'm going to go search for that type of resource here because I I think ultimately we just need to be more conscious of what we bring into our homes and what we're what we're buying and just be more conscious consumers. And I, I guess that would be my ultimate goal is that, again, using the colors as an example, like, you know, the colors that work for you. So you're not going to, you're going to hold off on that impulse purchase for that super mm-hmm. cute dress that's on sale yes. because it's in black and it really doesn't look good. You know, black is not your best color. So yes. just say no, even though it's really cute, even yes. though it's on sale, just say, and I think we do just say impulse. no. Just say no. It's this impulse purchase that we're all so guilty of because click, click, click. We have frictionless consumerism and I'm not anti-consumer. I'm not anti-consuming at all. I love, I love beautiful clothes and I love, you know, buying things, but if we're just bringing stuff in constantly and nothing is going out, you are creating a a giant headache for yourself later because you cannot take this with you and yeah. you know i we need to take care of this planet we, you know god entrusted us to to be good stewards and to take care of it and you know let's not let's not con- let's consume consciously let's not just keep buying because we had a bad day or we want to feel better about ourselves we've got to be careful about you know the companies that we're supporting and and where our money is going and being conscious of it and aware and also coming to the point to realize, you know what, I'm not going to wear this dress again. I'm going to let somebody else have it and let someone else, you know, do something with it. And maybe it's going to be a costume for some kid, or maybe it's going to be a craft project, or maybe somebody's going to wear it and just love it. But mm-hmm. that, and I think a lot of people are, struggle with decluttering because they'll say, well, I want to make sure that this goes to somebody who will appreciate it. Why do you care? It doesn't matter if someone buys those plates or picks up those plates at Goodwill that you donated and they trap, you know, they break them all. What difference does it make? 
It's yeah. not yours anymore. And I think we can't keep hanging on to things that, you know, that, that vase or that China is not your mother or your grandmother. That's, it's just a plate, you know, your memory of them lives within you, not in that plate, that plate might remind you of them, but right. it's not them. And we just can't be so attached to, to things that mm-hmm. way. Well, and we shouldn't be so attached to earthly things anyways. It's hard. And it I is get hard. It. I'm with you. I mean, I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm sitting here surrounded by, you know, 10 <laughs> pairs of sandals. My gosh, it's not, and they all look very similar. You know, it's, I, I'm not without fault here, but I know that I, I have to be more conscious. And I think because things are, are relatively cheap, it's cheaply made and, and, you know, cheaply uh, designed that, you know, it's easy to get. So easy mm-hmm. come, easy go. And it's, 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 it's a struggle. I do think that, and not to repeat myself, but I do believe getting my colors done. And thank you, Jessica, for that. My friend, Jessica was the one that, um, got my, got me to get my colors done. She's one that orchestrated the whole thing and did it all. That, that was really helpful because that really helped me stay on track with my personal items. And you're a hundred percent right. I will, I've passed up so many things and from people that I love buying from, but because mm-hmm. it's not my color and I think I want to look my personal best. And if yes. that's not my color, if it's, you know, if it's not my color, then I'm not going to look that way. So it's really helped me scale back on that. And then you also mentioned because things were so easily to obtain because of the monetary value that was on it. If it's less, it's easier just to take. And then you just, uh, you know, you just collect all these items. So I made a commitment to myself to stop doing all the fast fashion stuff. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know I was doing that. But for me, I thought, okay, now I'm middle aged. Now I can, uh, now I can invest. I don't need to be buying these $10 sandals because those sandals that I had, I've worn them out for years and years. So why wouldn't I just spend and spend the money and buy the sandals that I truly want and have those for longevity and just resole them. Like that's yes. a better. And then if I'm supporting a small business. Exactly. That's a family owned business. And that family gets to be supported. And instead of like sponsoring Mr. Walmart, I'm not, I mean, look, we bought Crocs for our daughter. I mean, you know, I'm all about convenience, but like you said, be mindful. Well, and it's a balance, you know, it's, it's 80, 20, you know, if you can 80% of the clothes or things that we purchase can be mindful and supporting, you know, the businesses that we want to support. Great. And 20% is, oh my gosh, check out the $3, you know, target bin. How fun. Yeah. Let's get that. I mean, it's, you just can't live your life like saying I've got to make this as hard as possible. Um, But it, when you buy quality, you can, you know, repair it and alter it and, and, buy and make it, it last. <laughs> yes. Buy, le- buy better, buy less is something I say all the time. And it's, it's interesting when you start to consciously decide to not buy the fast fashion um, stuff that's, you know, made in America, made by hand, it's expensive. I would love to change gears. And do you know the paint colors in your home? 
Yes. So, and, and they've changed a lot. So in the main part of our house downstairs, like the hallway and the living room, it is uh, sea salt. I love sea salt. It is probably my favorite color of Sherwin-Williams ever. It's, it is great. And I, it's so funny. I was at a neighbor's house. I'm like, oh, wow. I, I really like the aqua walls here. These are pretty. What is this? She's like, oh, it's sea salt. I'm like, <laughs> I do that oh. all the time. I okay. The same color in my house, but it looks like in my house, we have a lot of trees around the house. So it's, um, it's a little bit darker. So it definitely looks more like a gray green, but at her house, it looked more, I don't want to say turquoise, but just that it definitely took on more of the blue tint. And I recommended the color to my niece who lives in Florida. And she's like, Oh my gosh, I love this color. It's great. And it looks more blue there. So it's, it's, it's like the traveling pants. I mean, it's, it, it really is. No, it is. I have it in my primary bedroom and then my office upstairs and my daughter's bathroom. And it looks like it's like a blue, green, gray color. And it just, it's really beautiful. Yes. And then we like in our kitchen. So it used to be we had and I'll, t- I'll tell you this because you, you know the colors. So we had this wall between our breakfast air, breakfast room, kitchen and the dining room. I'm like, OK, let's just take this wall down. We don't really need two eating areas. So we took the wall down. But before that, the dining room was hail navy. Oh, with, yeah, it that's was hail navy on top. And then it, we had white um wainscoting on the bottom when we took the wall down we painted everything white so it is pure white and oh, that's my favorite white from carrie i'm so impressed that's <laughs> Thank my favorite you. White too. it's a and i struggle because it was you know talking to my husband about white paint is just it's like him talking to me about alabama football it, it his eyes just glazed over when I said, Oh, let's go pick out a white. He's like, uh, white is white. Isn't it? I'm like, no, 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 no. So it's, uh, it's pure white. And I thought, you know, I'll do it pure white and I'll paint it something else later, but we have so much color in our rugs and furniture that I'm like, I'm just going to, and artwork. So I just left it white and I really like it. So I'm still supposed to, paint our bedroom we haven't done that yet but i am going to paint the bedroom the colors and i can't think of the name of the um the color yes rainwashed so that is on my summer to-do list and um but i i came from so the house that i lived in this was my house that i bought before i got married and i had color color everywhere i had the hail navy in the um I'm sorry. It was naval. I had naval. I had at my old house, and then I had—I don't remember the name of it—but I had a hot pink hallway that I loved. And um, anyways, it was a lot of color, but the rooms were tiny, so it 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 was fine. But uh, now I'm embracing softer tones, and I'm realizing I like it a little bit lighter, just because we have just because our house tends to be a little bit darker because of the shade. So. Yeah, I get that. Do you do you have a color on your front door? Our front door is black. Do you know that according to realtor.org, if you are looking to sell your home, that a black front door on average gets $6,000 more at closing than if you have a colored door? Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So if you are looking to resell your home, you know, fact check me on that because. That no, I believe is- it. It's, it's 
it's been a few years. Um, but I have my real estate license. I don't, I don't do anything with it. It's, it's toxic. <laughs> really but do you remember the, was it the eighties and nineties when everybody was painting their doors red? Yes. In the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't do that, but I had to tell you this funny story about color real quickly. So when we bought this house, I told the kids they could pick their own paint colors and why I did. I thought I was being like the coolest yeah, of course stepmom to do that. And I'm just like, Hey, pick your paint colors. Well, they're not into decorating quite like I was or I am. And at, you know, 10 and six, they did not really care, but they're like, okay, we'll go along with it. So one chose red and the other one chose green. And I, you know, I st- stupidly gave them the fan deck. I'm like, ah. pick a color. <laughs> and I don't remember the names of the colors, but it was like this sh- bright shamrock green and this Cute. bright red. And it was so bad. You're like, oh my what? gosh. What well, was I, I doing? And I don't you. think they really cared either. And they were like, yeah, it's okay, whatever. But I thought I was being so smart. And now I realized it's, which of these three colors do you like best? And then, <laughs> well, you were being so cool and, and fun. And there are lots of parents that do exactly that. In my color consultations, they let the children pick the colors and the questions that I ask you know, like you said, kids are not really that excited about it, but there's two tricks to picking a paint color for a kid's room. If you want to do go that route and really let them exercise their creativity. One of them is like you pick the paint color they want and then just do it on one wall. So they have a feature wall and then you can do the rest of the walls, the neutral. And then that way, when they change their mind, you only have to repaint that one wall. You don't have to repaint all of it. The other option is, and kids do this all the time. They fall in love because of the name. And adults oh, do yes. And so when I find that a younger person has chosen a color and they are dead set on it, what I tell the parents privately is, okay, go ahead and let's order this color and let's do it at 50%. And they say, well, what does that mean? Well, in every paint can, there's always 100% paint and 100% pigment. But we can alter the pigment color. So it will. you can do it. Okay, so let's say you want to do shamrock green. You could do it at 50%. You could do it at 75%. So whatever you say, that's the pigment that's going to go into it. So it yeah. would be like shamrock at 75%. So it would be, they would, it would cut the color 25% or shamrock at 50%. So it would cut the color at 50%. There's not a child that's going to look at the label. I mean, I'm right. sure there is a child that will look at the label and can, you know, figure it out. But most younger people are not going to, they're not even going to remember. They're just like, yeah, this is the color I want. And so <laughs> it's a great way to give them what they want, but also give yourself something that you're okay with. That is great advice. I, yeah. I wish, I wish I'd known you 14 years ago. <laughs> but it's so if... good that you let them express themselves creatively because you're letting them do it in a safe way. And they'll always remember that red room or that green room. Like I always remember my lilac room. I had a lavender room growing up and I just loved it. So it's special. I had the, um, maybe a little bit lighter than bubblegum pink, but I had the light pink room that I loved. And it was, you know, my mom let me choose the color and 
this was back when sponge painting was a big deal. So we sponge painted it. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> I loved it so much. It was beautiful. It was a very light, not again, not bubble gum, but it was a, a, a soft pink and it was very pretty. Oh, I love it. I but love it was it. very pink. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Well, how can people get in touch with you? What is the best way to like, if somebody was interested in doing an organization consultation, you'll go in person to Atlanta or Marietta, correct? Yes. Yes. And, and I, I do travel, um, but you know, there's, there's a fee for that, but yes, right. if you really want me to come, I've been to California and Texas and South Carolina. So I am happy to travel also, but uh, for people who want a um, something a little bit, less uh, intrusive, me showing up at your house. Hi. Um, <laughs> I have virtual organizing that's available on my website. So you can go to neatsmart.com. That's N-E-A-T-S-M-A-R-T.com. And you'll find out about me. You'll find out about virtual organizing as well as in-home organizing. And I also have a newsletter that goes out on Mondays that you are welcome to sign up for. I would love for you to to do that. I share organizing tips and links to products that I recommend um, and just share all kinds of, of organizing info. And then I'm also on Instagram at NeatSmart. Well, thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself today. I really appreciate it. That was super fun. I could have talked with you forever about. Oh my gosh, this was great. I, you're like, you're my soul sister in color and in fashion. I'm telling you, I mean, I didn't even get to tell you about my, my Mimi's shoes, but um, yes, we'll have, we'll just have to visit. We'll have to visit. <laughs> we'll off, off yes. Oh, well, I'll come to Texas and you come to Georgia. Um, I would, and I will, Like I'm, I love traveling. I love traveling. So, well, thank you so much, Carrie. Bye, Carrie.